The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board of the Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the A Trip Without Chances and A Chance to Grow Up Quick of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this club adventure, the guy who opens his eyes and opens his mind, Josh how are you doing this evening other than Googling what song this is? <laughs> uh, I'm doing, I'm doing uh, good. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Good. <laughs> that's, that's better than bad. That's uh, better than bad. So it's been uh, a good weekend. I would say, I, I know your Instagram posts were very positive about your experiences this weekend. Yeah. You're, you're ro- rocking some amazingly awesome facial hair now. <laughs> that it doesn't Thanks. sound like your partner appreciates. No, she hates it. <laughs> gotcha more likely to keep it <laughs> it's amazing how that works right yeah <laughs> she, she, she didn't say anything i might have shaved it tonight <laughs> but since she's like oh my gosh well and it was funny because i have been waiting because friday was my two weeks post second vaccination shot so oh, i'm yeah. part of the fully vaccinated club now so i've been waiting purposely to go get my hair cut until I got to that point. So my hair had gotten pretty out of control. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'm going to go get my hair cut this weekend. This is great. The two places in my town that I can get my hair cut at, both temporarily closed. Oh, no. Because of COVID. That's and bummer. they still haven't reopened. But I didn't know because I haven't looked. Right? Because yeah. So my partner gave me a COVID cut again this weekend. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. I'm going to get my, I'm going to have all this hair for this person to work with who knows what they're doing. And instead, I, I just let my wife hack it off. Yep. That's most, I've only had w- one actual haircut since the start of COVID 19. Every other haircut's been at home. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, that one haircut felt great. Even though they didn't do the greatest <laughs> job, it still felt great. Absolutely. All right, so uh, turning our attention then to our intro this week, Josh, uh, were you aware of this song, aware yes. of this band? Uh, I didn't put it, the pieces together, but uh, yes, I am familiar gotcha. with the Guano Apes. Yeah, so Guano Apes, uh, this is one of those bands, though, that I can't tell you a whole lot about other than the fact that they're from Germany. Yeah. That's about the only <laughs> thing I really know about them. Uh, and yeah, my sister actually introduced me to the Guano Apes in the late 90s. Uh, and they hmm, took a break. I think are still a group, though. I think they took nice. a little bit of a hiatus. The you know artistic differences for a while there in the midst middle of their of the two thousands. Uh, but I think they are back together as a group making music. Still, I I believe they're still decently big in Europe. I could be totally wrong about that, but that is. My understanding, you know, kind of like the whole big in Japan thing. Uh, I believe they're still big there, uh, but never really got a lot of mainstream success in the United States. But Open Your Eyes, the song that these lyrics come from, I love that song a lot. It's a very, very good song. Yes, I do like that song a lot. So, any other thoughts about the Guano Apes? 
Uh, no, but that yeah, they they are still around. There you go. They haven't. Uh, yeah, they're not doing much, but they're still around. <laughs> yeah, and actually, now that I said that, I think they even have a song called "Big in Japan." Uh that would make sense. I think uh, they, I believe they do. But anyway, so cool. Uh, if you are a listener, you obviously know that when we get to our housekeeping, we always talk about PSVG's Patreon. Hmm. Uh, but as as a heads up, um, you know the next episode of Dollar Cinema where we're going to record very soon. Uh, so if you want to hear Josh and I discuss the movie Cats, <laughs> uh, go ahead and be sure to sign up for that. Now, Josh, on our the regular pod here, yeah, and I, I actually really don't usually like when people say pod, but I just did it. Um, <laughs> I have to kind of have to ask you, what made you decide that Cats was the movie you thought would like our patrons wanted to hear about that? Maybe we could say like, hey, patrons, you have this really exciting opportunity. Or if you're not a patron to become a patron to hear us talk about the movie Cats. Did you think that would be a compelling choice for people? Not necessarily. I think the choice was it. Our patrons probably want to hear us uh, talk about a, uh, not enjoying a movie and or they want us to tell them not to watch the movie if they haven't seen it. But we've already done it. We've already talked about movies we didn't like. We've already watched movies we didn't enjoy and told people not to watch them. Which ones? The original <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> oh, it's been a while. It's been a few months. That was like, that was like March. <laughs> yeah, it's June. <laughs> <laughs> it's May. It's, it's not May. June yet. You're right. <laughs> This is three months ago. We got to put some uh, quirky movies in there for some interesting movies. Gotcha. Okay. This, well, people might have liked this movie. I'm not saying uh, one way that, or the other, but it, this that could is be true. a popular they may movie. Have. So, <laughs> and June's, we have a, a special guest coming in June. So, yeah. June's movie is being kind of decided right now. But, you know, back in the day, you had asked me if I wanted to pick the movie in May. And I was like, nah, I trust you, Josh. You can pick it. Just so you know, whenever the opportunity for me to pick a movie comes up again, I am keeping that opportunity and I'm not relinquishing it back to you. Did you already watch Cats? I have started Cats. I've not finished. Cats. Oh, you're not even. Yeah, you're. <laughs> you gotta watch the whole thing. <laughs> I know I do. I'm well aware that I have to. Uh, I felt this might be something that I would be much easier for me to get through in pieces rather than. Oh, uh, I think it's shot. like Though, ripping off a bandaid. I I, think. <laughs> I I know. In retrospect, I was like, maybe I should have just ripped off the bandaid yeah. in one shot. But I started it far too late at night to stay up and watch the whole thing. But so anyway, uh, <laughs> that's. That's what, one of the things that we've been working on. But don't worry, that will not be a recommendation at the end of our show. So, anyway, not, At least not this week. At least not this week. Maybe in the future, once I finish it, I would want to make sure I saw all of something before I recommended it, of course. All right. Of course. But with that, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at BoredWithVG on Twitter. Or check out the Instagram, also BoredWithVG, where we're posting lots of awesome stuff. That you can check out, see what we're up to, see what we're doing, all of that good stuff. We are a proud part of playing some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. I do, though, want to give a shout out to some of our beloved patrons who do help make this show possible. Those include Michael Masick, Barry Cathcart, Edwin Kahlo, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Rude Days 93, Ben Moxham, Rob Emanuel, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calicote, Grouchy Sergey, Devin Tyus, Josh Borboni, 
RJ Kern, Zachary Adams, Joseph Wilson, and of course, Horse Girl 69. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Networks. If you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Now, Josh, you would think after all of these weeks of reading off the patrons, yeah. I would actually have the patrons list up prior to starting the housekeeping. That's okay. But now, like every single week, I'm like, as I'm reading the housekeeping, I'm like navigating my computer to be like, oh, where did I put the list this week? Where's the list? Where's the list? One day I'll remember and, you know, be a professional podcaster. Well, there's another addition too. Benji Kong is also a new uh, Patreon subscriber. Oh, well, congratulations and thanks. We appreciate you. All right, Josh, with that, I know you might change up your topic order, but what is your first topic you're going to bring to the table this week? Okay, well, I'm going to have to change my introduction to it. So instead of saying speaking about Gloomhaven, I'm just going to say from the creator of Gloomhaven. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Frosthaven had a rather much talked about update. Um, And really, I'm going to pick a certain spot because uh, if you're a Kickstarter backer, you would get this update from Frosthaven regardless. Uh, But it has since made it to the internet, also shared by Isaac Childress, the person who wrote it. So he did write an intro. He says uh, in his intro, at the very least, make sure you read the last section, starting with and finally. So that's what I'm going to read. If you want to read the whole thing, you can check it out on the Frosthaven Kickstarter or go to Isaac Childress at Cephalofair on on Twitter to find him as well. Um, Actually, no, I don't want to start it. Finally, no, because that won't make any that won't make any sense. Okay, so I'm going to just read his thing and we'll talk about it. Um, It's a bit longer, so just bear with me. Uh, Starting from in a nutshell, uh, he's. Uh, oh no let's start back from here uh for now i want to talk about some developments that are really going to improve the overall narrative of the game it's a bit of a long discussion so if you fuck it uh so he says all right so last month we brought james mendez hodes or hodes onto the frost haven team to do cultural consultant work um uh which i could not be more pleased about if you have the time i'd recommend highly recommend watching and there's a, a link to shelf stories or listening to a specific episode of Ludology, which you can, uh, it's Ludology episode 247, um, where he explains the importance of cultural consultants. In a nutshell, he is working through all the narrative of Frosthaven and at all the different cultures depicted within, and he's making sure everything is internally consistent and that it isn't co-opting any real-world ter- real terms or ideas that have been harmful to players or any real-world cultures. It's not just about pointing out problems, but also collaboratively coming up with solutions that expand and strengthen the narrative. It has been an enjoyable process that not only makes the game more ethical and welcoming to a wider audience, but also simply just makes it better. But I may be getting ahead of myself. First of all, you may be thinking, what does real-world cultural sensitivity have to do with a made-up fantasy world? Well, back when I first sat down to create the world of Gloomhaven, my naive self was right there with you. My general thought process was, I am creating my own fantasy world, completely divorced from reality, and so I can do whatever I want with the peoples in this world. There's no risk of harming anyone because it's not real. This is a big problem, however, because nothing is created in a vacuum. 
Everything we do is stamped with our own biases and influences. And while the intent may not be our harm, may not be to harm, our biases have a tendency to cause harm anyways. If this is all sounding a little abstract, let's talk about some specific ways in which I fell down on Gloomhaven. I think one of the most obvious ones is my use of the word race. Race has, of course, been ex used extensively throughout the fantasy genre as a way to group different peoples to the point where it is just second nature. But when you stop to think about it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Race is generally not even a useful delineation of peoples in our reality. It is much more precise to classify someone's culture or ethnicity. And even if we wanted to use those terms in the fantasy reality in the same context that people in our reality mistakenly do, that doesn't work either. The Savas, which are rock creatures in Gloomhaven, are sent oh it says it right here. I thought I had to explain that part. <laughs> are sentient rocks given life by some mysterious divine force. They aren't a different race from humans. I'm not even sure the word species or genus would do the trick. And yeah, sure, you can just go back to the mentality that it's your fantasy world and you can do whatever you want. Maybe the word race has a different meaning in my fantasy reality, but the catch is that people in our reality are the ones playing and experiment, uh, sorry, experiencing the game. And by using the term race, I'm not only reinforcing this outdated way of delineating people, but I'm also reinforcing the idea that these definitions are so extreme. Sorry, d these delineations are so extreme. But the difference between a black person and a white person is as great as the difference between a squishy human and a pile of rocks. And so, once I set up this idea of races in Gloomhaven, I took it one step further into a bad place by assigning personality and mental traits to these races in a blanket way, reinforcing the concept of broad racial stereotypes. All Inoks are proud and stubborn. All Quattrals are hardworking and helpful. Yes, certain cultures... Poor societies may see varying traits as virtues and foster them in their populations, but no culture is monolithic, and not all Valraths come from the same culture anyways. Not only does implying that reinforce harmful stereotypes in the real world, it's also just bad world building. And I think this gets at the larger point. I could go on and on about the things I did wrong. We didn't even touch upon the descriptions of some people some peoples in Gloomhaven, like the Inox and Quattrals, uh, hew dangerously close to very harmful stereotypes of real-world cultures because of, again, my own unconscious biases. But the point is that I need to fix them, not only to stop real-world harm from players who may react negatively to such depictions, but also to just make the world-building stronger and more carefully thought out for all players to enjoy. I'm looking at how much more there is. <laughs> Back when I was creating Gloomhaven, I was just blundering along, doing all the narrative myself. With Frosthaven, I have so many more resources and people willing to collaborate with me to improve the game in every conceivable way, so it was an obvious step to improve in this way as well. And like many other aspects of the board game development, the process has turned out to be so much easier than sorry, once I brought in a professional. I realized I should have been doing this from the beginning. And it's important to note that this isn't compromise of anything. We don't have to trade the quality of the story to make it less harmful. We can improve all things at the same time so that this whole experience is just a win-win. There's nothing to even change mechanically. It's all narrative. And we can do it in parallel to all other efforts we are working on to finish up the game so that improving the narrative won't even delay production. All upside, no downside. 
One other thing you may be asking is whether these changes to the story are going to cause Frosthaven to lose its edge. Whether it is going to soften the story in an attempt to please everyone, and that it's not, and that is not the case. You are still a group of hardened mercenaries trying to survive a hostile environment. Hard choices will still have to be made, but I think choice is a key word here. I've received plenty of negative feedback over the years about the ending of Scenario 3 in Gloomhaven, rightfully so. And the problem there wasn't necessarily that the players were inflicting trauma on children, though that wasn't too great either, but the main issue was that there wasn't a real choice. The setup for the scenario did not do a good enough job of telegraphing what was to come so that players could opt out and go down the other path that they wanted. I haven't gotten to Scenario 3 yet, so I'm now very curious. Uh, if you look at the history of Frosthaven, um, wrote during the Kickstarter, you may notice the religiously fueled colonialism vibes running rampant through it. This itself isn't an issue. This is how the main human nation behaves in this fantasy reality. But I've since become uncomfortable with how the story written in that update forces the players to opt in and become complicit in this behavior without choice. Some people may not be comfortable with that. So we've shifted the story around so that Frosthaven is a separate entity that doesn't want to, by default, take over by force a territory inhabited by other peoples. The story is still just as rich or richer than before, and certain individuals will still come in, recruiting you to advance the colonialist agenda of the capital. But now the player has agency in how the story plays out, which is always a good thing. And since I'm kind of laying it all out here on the table, publicly recognizing that Gloomhaven did a lot of things wrong, I would also like to take a moment to apologize to anyone who was harmed by my ignorance in crafting that story. And I want to thank all the people who have helped me realize my mistakes in the intervening years. We all make mistakes, and the important thing is to learn from them and do our best to reverse any harm that those mistakes cause. There's more to work to do in that regard, but I think making sure Frosthaven doesn't repeat those mistakes and talking about the process openly are good first steps. And finally, I recognize there may be a small percentage of you that will be upset by these developments. You are more than welcome to your own opinions, but voicing those opinions in the comments in a combative, disruptive, or derogatory way is not okay. I would encourage you to simply reach out to support at cephalofair.com and request a full refund if you feel strongly enough about it. We've already done that for a couple people who didn't think Black Lives Matter, and we'd be happy to do it again for people who don't think board games should be a safe space for everyone. If you do feel the need to comment, I ask you to use all, with all sincerity to be respectful. It is a simple thing, but it is super important to us, and we will use all the tools we have to make sure the space does remain safe and respectful. So, Kyle, what do you yeah. think about all that? <laughs> a, that, I mean, that's a lot of to, a lot to take in. And I had read this update, and I was curious if you were going to uh, bring this as a topic. Because I'll be honest, most of the Kickstarter updates I don't, I get, I don't read, um, or I, I skim them to see if there's anything uh, in there that I, I want to read. And for this one, I actually sat down and, after skimming it, went back and read the entire the entire update. Back in the day, we had talked about, especially when the Black Lives Matter movement was happening, much more. Um, uh, w was more at the top of everyone's mind and we were seeing the images on the news regularly. We had talked about how many board game companies came out uh, in support and saying that Black Lives Matter and he references it here as well uh, about when Cephalofair did that and some people got upset about it. But 
what I'm tying this to is that at that time we had said, hey, awesome companies, you are saying you have a commitment, but let's see now how that commitment plays out, right? This is Isaac, who designed Gloomhaven, got some feedback, may have apologized in the past for what happened at Gloomhaven, I really don't know, but but now is coming forward to say, here's how I have changed things. Here are the things I am doing to ensure I am following through on the commitment that I've made. He is putting his, his words into action. And whether or not you agree with him, to me, is irrelevant. I, I think what he's doing makes sense. I, I do believe that um, the perspective he's taking on this and the folks he's working with on this uh, are is good. I think this is a cool way to approach this topic and, and to help look at games differently um, and to look at how being more inclusive in your game design actually might improve the quality and the storytelling of your game. Uh, so I think this is great. I, I applaud him for being open and transparent about it and basically saying, like, if you don't agree, that's fine, then maybe our game isn't for you. And I, and I really applaud that. And I think saying that and being like, yeah, and we will give you your money back. There's no like, oh, you're already, you're locked in, you're committed now, too bad you're going to get the game. Like, you, he tells you exactly what you can do to request a refund if you don't agree with the with the direction he is going. Um, so overall, I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, I, I'm pretty impressed with how well written it is and how thoughtful it is and how specific in examples it is, which is always I think a hard thing to get from folks about like what specifically are you doing or how specifically are you going to change things or support things. Um, so overall, I'm pretty impressed. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big thing to put out there, uh, especially just kind of, this was something he obviously could have just changed and not said anything, and probably avoided all these, even though he asked for people to be respectful in the comments. Uh, some of the replies are kind of ridiculous still. Um, I I did not read the Twitter comments. I did read some of the um, uh, Kickstarter ones because they're from actual backers. So I could actually see what some of those people thought. And, and a couple of people did cancel. My favorite one is the guy who says, get woke, go broke. So he just doesn't want any representation in any of his games because he doesn't think that games will sell for <laughs> being right. uh, thoughtful and thinking of people playing it. So um, I, I, I love that he did it. I like, I mean, we talk about transparency all the time. So I think that, being transparent, period, is very helpful and, and a good step in, in any direction as far as board game or Kickstarter goes. Um, we saw it with like uh, Outriders and and we've seen it with other uh, projects as well. I do think he has the added benefit of it being a runaway hit where he's not worried about going broke, if you will. Um, I, I do still think he he would stick to this whether that was the case or not. But I think it's probably a little easier to make that decision to go public about what he wanted to do because I also can understand uh, how toxic everything is now and maybe wanting to avoid that. Right. Because um, really, it's brought way more positive attention to him, but still, like, it just it's just depressing to see people react the way that they do over something so so uh, it's big but small do you know what i mean like something so small to the person who doesn't care about these things mm -hmm. like how they react like it's more like they're reacting 
to the audacity of it more than anything else. Like, how dare he force me to accept other cultures when I'm playing my fantasy game instead of just being like, okay, cool. Like, I don't even know what the story is. So how does this affect me in any way? Because really, it's not it's not changing anyone's enjoyment of Frost Haven because the game isn't out and you don't know what the story is. You know a loose description from a Kickstarter page. It's probably a 250-page book of scenarios and story. Like, there's so much more content in the game. So um, it's just, if you're on Twitter and you saw that day that this came out, you just kind of see how important this is to the board game industry and see creators and reviewers and podcasters and personalities react to this in the most positive of ways and saying how this is like the the right step for anyone. And that, you know, whether he thought, sat down and thought that he needed to update the way he thinks um, in this regard or someone came to him, I don't think that that necessarily matters because it's getting addressed one way or the other. So right. it's not like he has to come forward and say, like, he admits, like, he made mistakes in Gloomhaven. Um, and and he has to deal with those real-world, like, reactions and emails, and we don't. And he didn't need to say that either. So um, I just think everything is positive on this. But I understand. I don't understand the people, but I understand why people are getting mad. I just can't relate to them. Yeah, it is interesting. There's apparently a couple, you know, YouTube videos and things you can watch if you want to, to to hear what people's frustrations are. But I don't, and I haven't watched them yet. Maybe I will because I, I do enjoy hearing other people's perspectives on situations like this. I, I, I'm just not certain what, I do wonder kind of like if he just hadn't said anything. Yeah. And just put the game out and seen if anyone even noticed. Yeah. I mean, he probably, I'm, I'm assuming he thought of that and he was just uncomfortable having to deal with that or any repercussions of of that and he might see the race i don't see the race terminology as a problem but i definitely understand his point when he describes the blanket um statements for how like races behave and things like that i i get like i get that you want to change that and i think that's fine i think it makes sense because not all races act like that you can't blanket you don't blanket statement a whole culture of people um, that are still living at least. <laughs> like I understand right. like some, some like ancient tribes like do things certain ways. Um, and I think that's probably how I even considered most of Gloomhaven or any dungeon fantasy things. Like it's, I don't know that I ever considered it to represent current cultures or peoples, but I can see how people can, you know, I, I think the people that get mad about this are the people like um, in my family who are like, I don't know what's safe to say anymore. Like right, those yeah. are the people I think that are really getting mad about it instead of just wanting to learn and adapt and change. Like that's all it really is. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think a big challenge of that too is that, you know, uh, most fantasy games and most fantasy in general, especially if you go high fantasy is based on Tolkien and Tolkien's like characters were based on like his inner, his experiences in, in the war 
And the reason the hobbits are the way they are is because they were small in stature to represent the British who like who, that way when they were victorious, it was so amazing. And like such an amazing thing of these <laughs> regular old people going out there and being victorious. And like, um, I think there's a, he has a description of like orcs and like who he designed orcs off of. Um, and he refers to them as being like degraded and repulsive Mongol types, you know, like he, these were people like you know these were people that he was using and that's kind of where you know there's a lot of thoughts that you know um the portrayal of goblins comes from the his perspective on um asians and people were fighting like in the pacific front and things like that later like you know so it's easy to separate and be like well that's not the way i think of it but there's roots into where these things came from Yeah. yeah you know and so when you use the word race to describe an orc and then the orc was actually inspired by, you know, the, the, that's where it gets. And I understand that for not everyone it's that and other people don't think as in depth about that. Um, but I I don't see the negative of being like, eh, I don't know if I really want to continue to reinforce that. Yeah. And also, like, we experience games differently as white men that other people ex- like would experience games. In, and I think just uh this world alone it's kind of put that in our faces in the past what, five to eight years for us to like really see how the other like everyone else is living and mm-hmm. and a lot of people i you know a lot of white people have a hard time acknowledging certain things and they are getting mad about it and that's another big problem and and i think you look at isaac as a young white man and he's He's taking the right step forward. He's trying to learn from what people are trying to tell us. And he, like, we may experience a game differently than other people because of our race, because of our ethnicity, because of who we are, where we came from. And and he's, like I tweeted, I just said, I, I loved his update and, you know, thank you for making games for everyone and making games accessible to everyone. Because really... He is he is attempting to make it so somebody doesn't pick up his game and feel like they're being portrayed as this character in the game in and in, in either a racist way or 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 an ignorant way to where the point where they don't want to play anymore. Right. And he doesn't want that to happen and I appreciate that even though I might not be the benefactor of that. Yeah. And you know like I just part of me you know similar like he can design his game the way he wants to <laughs> you know like if I yes i also 100 percent agree with that too you know so but he's also entitled to backlash because we definitely saw that a year or two ago with uh someone was making a uh a game that was not portraying um as eskimos the right way i don't remember which game this was yeah i'm forgetting what the game was but there was a game that was i don't think it ever came out there's a game coming out um or was, no, the Inuit, Inuit tribe. Okay. Um, or the Inuit peoples, I guess. Um, someone was putting out a game that they didn't find to be either researched very well or accurate. And there was like, you know, while that those people can make that game if that's what they want to make, they're definitely subject to scrutiny over their decisions they made. Absolutely. Every, I mean, always, you yeah. know, especially if you are someone who paid for Frosthaven and you decide that this isn't the direction you want to go, that's fine. Then you can totally cancel your pre-order and and not support that. That is a thing that you can do. 100% agree. 
anything else about this update on Frosthaven you want to share? There's 1130 comments. <laughs> That's a lot of comments. That's a lot of comments. So. <laughs> Uh, oh. wow, yeah, that's uh, there's still 83,000 backers, so a lot of people held off, <laughs> yeah, still doing okay. All right, Josh, my first topic is the most prestigious and ward and board games has announced their nominees, nominees, nominees for their next awards. That is the Spiel des Jahres has jury has made their announcements for the games that have been nominated um looking first at the kinderspiel so the children's game of the year um and this is from icv2 the nominees are dragomino by bruno catala mia london in the case of the 625 scoundrels by antoine bauza and storytellers by marie fort and wilfried fort uh josh any knowledge or thoughts on the Kinderspiel games? No, I rarely do have any knowledge <laughs> of the Kinderspiel ones. Um, I feel like I've heard of Dragomino, though, but I don't know that I've seen it or, or heard of anyone who's played it. I agree. The kids' games, usually something that uh, I'm not super familiar with, just because, you know, I don't have kids and play games with with them <laughs> uh, but i assume Dre domino is probably just a take on king domino from since it's a bruno catala game so i assume it's some take on that yeah um and hey king domino is great so i assume that drag domino drag domino <laughs> oh my gosh sometimes board game titles are really hard to say um it's great too but anyway those are the kinder spiel games the Kenner Spiel this year is, so these are going to be the enthusiast games of the year. So these are going to be kind of more of your hobby games. Um, the nominees are Fantasy Realms by Bruce Glasgow, Lost Ruins of Arnok by Min and Elwin, and Paleo by Peter Russmeyer. Josh, thoughts on these games? I thought Fantasy Realms was an old game, so maybe I don't know which one this is. Um, Paleo, I am familiar with, and Lost Ruins, Lost Ruins of um, Arnak actually has been on my radar recently, uh, as it looks really cool, and I've seen some people playing it, um, so I kind of want to add it to the collection. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, I also thought Fantasy Realms was an old game, so I am going to take some time to try and look that up right now. Cool. While you do that, I'll yeah, say... Yeah, Fantasy Realms oh, yeah. came out in 2017. Okay. Maybe it's new uh, overseas. Maybe it is. That could be. That could be. Um, yeah, because... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, congratulations, I guess. <laughs> <That's easy. laughs> I also am surprised that this is nominated for uh, the Kenner Spiel, because I thought Fantasy Realms was a pretty light game. And not that these games are necessarily have to be heavy, uh, but typically, you know, the more gateway entry-level games that just get nominated for the Spiel des Jahres in general and not typically the Kenner Spiel. Um, but yeah, I've heard really great things about all these games. Lost Ruins of Arnok is a game I really want to play. Um, so hopefully, you know, one well, one of these games will win. But I don't really have a preference. Uh, but yeah, I'm really just surprised. Maybe Fantasy Realms, yeah, like you said, just got um, released in Germany. That's very, very possible. All right, so then the Spiel des Jahres, the Game of the Year nominees are The Adventures of Robin Hood by Michael Menzel, Micro Macro Crime City by Johannes Sieg, and Zombie Teens Evolution by Anik Lobet. Yeah. Or Lobet, potentially. Thoughts? 
I just assumed Zombie Teens was a bad game. Uh, I don't know Micro Macro, and I, I kind of let, I think Adventures of Robin Hood was a Kickstarter, and I think I kind of just let it pass by my radar, but then, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I started hearing that it was very good, and that they were predicting it was going to get nominated for Spiel de Jar, so um, maybe there's something to that, but uh, I don't know too much more about the game, like, I'm not sure um, what the game plays like, the board, I know that it is a, um, yeah, I don't even think it's deck builder, I'm not even sure what kind of game it is. But, I mean, you know, you know what happens with these awards. Like, I'm definitely going to check them out and see what the games are all about. <laughs> yeah, so Zombie Teens, I had heard was a really good game, but I thought Zombie Teens was a kid's game. It looks like a kid's game. <laughs> yeah, and and not that it makes it bad by any means, but I had thought it was a kid's game, kind of like my first legacy game. Yeah, it's ages almost. eight and up, and it's 20 minutes. Yeah, it's like my first legacy or my first campaign maybe game is kind of what I thought. I've heard really positive things about it, yeah. uh, just not kind of what I was expecting as far as the Spiel des Jahres nominee. But uh, Adventures of Robin Hood, you're right. I've heard amazing things about that game. People really, really seem to like it. It was a game I almost kickstarted. I just couldn't, didn't quite pull the trigger on. Uh, so that is still something that is on my short list. I'll be honest. I hadn't heard of Micro Macro, yeah. which makes me feel like a bad board game fan. <laughs> that a game I've never heard of is suddenly a Spiel's the Ciaris nominee. Um, but, you know, and looking it up, it looks super interesting. Um, and all these games are really, really lightweight. They are very lightweight. I would imagine Robin Hood isn't, though, right? Oh, God, you're right. I'm, I'm assuming Robin Hood isn't. And Lost Rooms are Arnacard, but I know that's a different um, category. Robin Hood... 1.73? Over an hour. Yeah, actually, that's not that bad. Yeah, so overall, pretty light games in general for the for the Spiel des Jahres. Again, not that they have to be, um, they, they typically are a little bit lighter, which is, again, why I was kind of surprised at some of the nominees for uh, the Kenner Spiel um, with Fantasy Realms. But overall, like I said, Adventures of Robin Hood, definitely a game I want to play. Micro Macro looks interesting. The uh, graphic design on it is very striking for what that game is. And Zombie Teens, like I said, I've heard really positive things about. Uh, I just assumed that would maybe potentially be a Kinderspiel nominee. But I guess there's no reason a game couldn't be a kid's game of the year and a best game of the year. Those don't have to be separate categories, Agreed. right? Yeah. So, cool. Anything else about the Spiel des Jahres you want to say? No, they always seem to surprise us in some way or the other. So it's always fun to see what comes out every year. <laughs> That's true. So uh, the winner for the Children's Game of the Year will be announced June 14th. So not too long to wait for that. But then the... Uh, Winner of the Kenner Spiel and the Spiel des Jahres will both be announced on July 19th. So that one is a bit away. But like I said, probably the biggest, most prestigious award in board gaming. Those are your nominees for the Spiel des Jahres this year. Josh, what's your next topic? Okay, Kyle, it's time for us to weigh in on the big Twitch debate. You're bringing the heat this week as far as your topics go. And it would be best if we could do it from our tubs. <laughs> so I you wish. go bring so your nice. microphone into your bathroom. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> nobody wants to see that. <laughs> this is from a Kotaku article. Um, I could have literally pulled it from anywhere else on the internet as well. So if you're looking for info, it's all over the place. Uh, Twitch says being seen as a uh, quote, they can't, they, that's not quotes. Quote, sexy isn't against the rules. Creates dedicated category for hot tub streamers. So this started... Last week when um, streamer, our hot tub streamer, 
bikini streamer, um, Amaranth, or I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong, I know it's a terrible accent, uh, was remo- stripped, I guess, <laughs> pun intended, of sponsorship uh, dollars. And she actually came forward saying she makes like $1,000 a day from ads. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> a day. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, after months of controversy streaming, uh, stemming from a perceived loophole in Twitch's attire and sexual conduct rules, the company has created a dedicated section for pools, hot tubs, and beaches. Uh, just in case people don't know that are listening, Twitch, while it is a primarily gaming platform, it has, it has since evolved into, uh, I think the most common thing you'll see is just chatting as a, as a subject for what they're playing. Um, but really, people do everything from building furniture to yeah. skateboarding to walking on the street to going to the beach, wherever they can get a hotspot on their phone or a Wi-Fi signal. Uh, they're streaming on Twitch, and for some reason, people love that. Um, I've seen situations where it is entertaining, and I've seen situations where it's literally just someone walking. <laughs> so it kind of goes all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely depends on on what it is because there have been times where people, and even though I don't think they were supposed to, uh, were doing like, and obviously some people got in trouble for things related to this. But like, if when you know when BlizzCon used to be in person, like people would do like their, you know, live streams like walking around BlizzCon, you know. So there can be some cool things with the walking around ones that you're like, oh, I can't go to BlizzCon, so now I can see what it'd be like if I was there a little bit. So I could kind of understand like those ones yeah but i do struggle with the ones that seem when it's just people being like i'm walking to the grocery store and you're like <laughs> okay well again everyone likes what you like that's fine that's fine not trying to pass judgment here yes so in a blog a new blog post uh, twitch announced that it has created a new category pools hot tubs and beaches uh previously hot tub streamers largely used the catch-all just chatting category which led some streamers and viewers to accuse them of somehow breaking the rules despite the fact that they were not actually breaking Twitch's rules. In the blog post, Twitch clarified this, quote, while we have guidelines about sexually suggestive content, being found to be sexy by others is not against our rules. And Twitch will not... <laughs> I love it's like they're nagging people who are reading it. And being, being found sexy by others <laughs> is not against our rules. And Twitch will not take enforcement against women or anyone on our service for their perceived attractiveness. <laughs> I could not believe that was in a statement made by a professional company. (laughs) Uh, We're not going to take you down because of your perceived attractiveness. Um, The uh, the company wrote, adding that it discourages harassment against all streamers, regardless of their actions or intentions. Under our current nudity and attire and sexually suggestive content policies, streamers may appear in swimsuits in contextually appropriate situations, like at the beach or in a hot tub. For example, uh, even if the hot tub is in your bedroom <laughs> and it is one of those inflatable ones you could buy at your local wholesale market. <laughs> um, Twitch noted that sexually explicit content, which it defines as pornography, sex acts, and sexual service, is where it draws the line. I think that's all I really need to read about that. But uh, what, where do you stand on uh, bikini streamers? <laughs> I know this is a very vague question. <laughs> Do you think that it's okay that they stream that way? Do you care at all? Does it affect your day-to-day life? A, it does not affect my day-to-day <laughs> life in any way, shape, or form. B, I really don't care. I think it's totally fine. I, I don't think this is a big deal. 
Uh, I, I recognize that there might be others out there who, who do not support this, but then you also can choose not to watch it, right? Like, I don't anticipate that any of these streamers are going to be suddenly on the Twitch front page. Yeah. You know, this is something you have to go seek out. Um, so if you don't want to seek that out, then don't. You know what, Kyle? Let's go to Twitch right now and see what's on the front page. I'm I'm there. Okay. Uh, the Lion Share, the Lion Share for the first ever of the Lions Awards, an all-star packed award show that uplifts Asian creators, highlights diversity with the Asian experience, and raises money for hate is a virus. Um, and then Glostic Willie Music is playing. Um, Mitch Bruzy's music is playing. Um, oh, it's a big music night. The Kyger. Yeah. Um, Jericho is playing It Takes Two. Uh, Winter Gaming is playing Planetside Two. Swifter is playing Days Gone. And Overboard I... Gaming is <laughs> playing Resident Evil Village. So there you go. That's the front page right now. When I scroll all the way down, nothing even comes up as far as that goes. Now, if I go to Browse Categories, I don't even see it as a category. So you're you're not wrong. You definitely have to search now what if i and who search know, i don't know if it's even out yet hot maybe tub. it's coming <laughs> hot tub no results found yeah maybe it's coming so that could be <laughs> I, I feel i just feel weird searching that <laughs> pool nothing comes up for pool either i wonder there it is you gotta type it in the other search bar <laughs> oh gotcha <laughs> so there's a bunch of stuff uh, out there, yeah, here it is. Categories: pools, hot tubs, and beaches. Eleven point nine thousand viewers with forty eight thousand followers. So it's out there. If you really want to see it, there's anime girls in hot tubs. There's chill with rescued sea otters. That's a pretty cool well, one. I want to rescue sea otters. That there's sounds good. Uh, some guys flexing on a beach. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Only tubs with some thick furries. Now there is something I can get behind. <laughs> and they're capybaras. <laughs> Giant capybaras. I'll just do that. <laughs> I mean, great. this sounds like a lot of fun things. So Yeah, if you want to get a kid, you can go watch animals at the zoo. I think that's great. Bring in the pools. Let them get some sponsorship dollars. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah, I just don't think it's a huge deal to me. I, You know, it, like I said... Something you gotta go seek out, and realistically, if Twitch isn't gonna do it, someone else is gonna do it. So why wouldn't Twitch just do it? Yep, because you can go do it anywhere else that you yep. can stream. Absolutely. So yeah. So for me, I don't think it's a big deal. I know there was some discussions about it in our Discord, um, but yeah, for me personally, I just yeah, I think it's fine. I don't think it's a, it's a huge deal at all. So what about I, you, Josh? I agree. I think. We live in society. <laughs> uh, people can do what they want, and if they can get money off of it, that's great, as long as they're not harming anybody, right? That's really what the thing is. Don't harm anybody with what content you're doing. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate that I, I was about to say something similar of, like, obviously, like, those who are doing these streams, hopefully everyone is, like, participating because they want to. And yeah, like, willingly. You know, like, all that <laughs> yeah. general stuff. Like, yes. I would like to think that doesn't even have to be said, but, you know. No, I think I think it does, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, if that's what you want to do while you're doing your homework, schoolwork, playing games, and you want to have someone up on a stream chatting uh, in their bikini, then I mean, that's your decision. And 
if you're going to support someone while doing it and that makes you feel good or whatever, then more power to you. It doesn't bother yeah. me one bit. And if those streamers just choose that they want to produce those streams, then that is their decision. Yep. That is totally fine for them to choose to do that. So Agreed. Cool. Anything else about uh, the new categories over on Twitch? Maybe. I just think maybe we'll, we can start doing board of video games live. I mean, if you want to do them that way, that is totally <laughs> fine. So, uh, And also, people can choose not to do them. <laughs> That's right. You have a choice. So. awesome well josh my second story this week uh is something we don't know a lot about but i did think it was interesting uh that netflix has said they are going to get into the games industry but we don't know exactly what that means yet and this is coming over from games radar uh there was a report elsewhere that was published on um, the information uh which is a website you can go to that claimed netflix was going to be getting into the game industry and netflix responded to that by saying quote it is excited to do more with interactive entertainment, um, and they basically are currently searching for someone to come in um, and kind of head this initiative up at Netflix. So here are my two questions I have for you, Josh. Number one, is this more Bandersnatch, <laughs> or is this more, or do you think this means like actual games? Yeah. So that's one question. And then number two, do you think this is a good idea? <laughs> uh number one i don't it they that stranger things game they put out i mean come on don't right why why that shouldn't yeah exist uh and i'm sorry if you like that game but i just i just don't understand what its purpose is uh bandersnatch was fun for what it was but did i go back and watch it more than once no i also didn't participate in the you versus wild thing um and there's some kids entertainment out there that's interactive right. like that as well yep um i think it's a cool idea and i would be more i would prefer them to stick to that if if i'm being honest as far as your second question i don't really want to see them making games like video games like i know we always say uh more studios isn't necessarily a bad thing and more games isn't necessarily a bad thing but um I don't, I you know, Netflix's business model is something I don't grasp and don't understand. So maybe they have a secret, right? Because they're they they can just they're gonna buy like I don't know they're talking about buying a studio and like they have all this money apparently that they can't explain to us how they get. <laughs> right. So I don't know if they can if they can go out and do a game studio. I mean, I guess go do it, but I I that's not what I want from a Netflix. Um, maybe if they bought Gamefly, right? That would be make more sense to me and not make games, but just offer games. But, uh, I, I don't know. I look at Luna and I look at Stadia, um, and I know that Stadia still lives and Luna still lives, but I don't see them as like viable gaming platforms. And I can only imagine Netflix would be doing a streaming gaming platform. So I just don't think we need it. Yeah, I'm... I, I think I'm going to agree with you there. I, I think of Netflix and try to decide what would make them more successful than, you know, Google has been in this space. You know, we have obviously kind of like you mentioned that Amazon's got their stuff coming, uh, still in, in beta and being tested. I just don't know what's going to make Netflix more successful unless it is all like when I 
go into my Netflix app. I have my movies there. I have games there. And then literally the remote that I use to navigate there I is my controller. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like that to me, I could potentially see people being like, oh, do I want to watch a movie or do I want to play a game? Uh, do I, what, you know, what are these things do I want to do? In that aspect, I could potentially see them being successful. But, you know, you look at, I, I just looked this up quick. I have no idea how accurate this is that. Their cash on hand right now is about $8 billion, uh-huh. which um, <clears throat> that's crazy. is a lot, but is not Microsoft money. It's not even Sony money. Yeah. Like, that's not even Sony cash. Um, and it's definitely not Microsoft cash. Uh, that's for sure. And I wonder how much of that they're willing to risk to get into this because you're going to have to hire an executive and you're going to start having to sign some contracts to get some people on your platform. And you're going to start developing unless they're... Unless they just want to be a producer. Maybe they, like Disney, are wanting to get into the business of having partnering with others to make games on their uh, developed about their properties, right? Because we had, like you mentioned, the Stranger Things game. So maybe they're wanting to have, you know, trying to think of a... What was the movie, the movie that... Uh, uh, their zombie movie that just came out? Army of the Dead. Yeah, maybe they want an Army of the Dead game in the vein of World War Z. Right. I mean, I that seems kind of cool, right? Yeah, they're doing a board game with it, so make a video game. So do you think it's more that way, that they're kind of going the Disney route of partnering, or do you think they want to deliver games on their platform? I mean, it makes more sense for them to develop the IPs they already have. Yeah. Um. So I would imagine, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think it would be a smart move to work with your IPs instead of trying to create wholly new properties, but. Right. It's not because it's not like Netflix is necessarily coming up with these movies. They're hiring people who have already right, come right, up right. with these movies. People are pitching them to Netflix <laughs> yeah. and then Netflix buy, purchases that. Like, my goodness, have you seen the Knives Out 2 cast? Yes, it keeps growing and growing. <laughs> and that's apparently what you get for $400 million for two movies. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's great. I love Knives Out. So the more people they add, the better, I imagine, with a, ca- like with a movie like Knives Out. You want more yeah. good actors in there. Yeah, the rumor was that they paid like $450 million for two movies and that Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig each get $100 million of it. Yeah. Now, I have no idea how accurate that is. Because it's not going to go to theaters. <laughs> but if I was either of them, I was like, I would do that. <laughs> that seems good. Yeah. Can you so. just imagine, though, you're in pitching to Netflix. You you wrote this like over, over 15 years, you wrote this movie that you really want to make, and then they're like, eh, pass. But how do you think it would sound as a video game? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, we're not going to make your film, but let's make it a video game. <laughs> yeah, and in looking at it, it, I'm guessing that they are going to go um, the route of developing their games into I, their IP into games. Um, similar to the Disney route. Um, it is worth mentioning, I think, I don't know why I'm saying um so much tonight. Goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, it is worth noting that uh, Daniel Ahmed, uh, who is a video game analyst on Twitter, had reminded all of us that back in 2019, Netflix had even said that their biggest competitor was Fortnite. Not HBO, not Showtime, oh. not Amazon, not Hulu. That Fortnite was their biggest competitor. So it, it makes sense to me that they would want to kind of try to see if they can uh, get into this business a little bit. Uh, like I said, I, I hope it's just into license their IP and partner with studios to make games based off of their properties that they own um, or have some way to own or, or work out however those rights go. Uh, and I really hope it's not in a way to 
deliver games, but that's just me personally right now. Anything else about uh, Netflix getting into games you want to talk about, John? Well, I'm curious to see what happens, I guess is what I'll say. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. So last thing, I'm actually going to switch this up. I'm going to have me go here first, and then we'll have you do your third topic. My third topic, Josh, before I even talk about it, did you see this announcement? No, I did not. Okay. So we got a announcement that when I was looking at social media and I heard about it, I kind of chuckled and thought that I had this was something that had missed like April Fool's Day or that was um, just a, a, a joke that was being done. Yeah. But it's not. It's real. And it's got a trailer and it is a moody trailer. Uh, <laughs> the game Lies of P was announced, which is a Dark Souls take on Pinocchio. So in this game, you'll be playing as Pinocchio. Uh, the game is coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox, and PC. Um, but you'll play as Pinocchio in this Souls-like game, uh, going to try to save Geppetto, is what it sounds like. If you have a chance to see the trailer, again, the game's called Lies of P. I encourage you to check it out. It is moody. It is dark. It is... Uh, the person who's doing the voiceover for it uh, is one of those people who you think probably spends a lot of their days like yelling at things because uh, their voice is very dark and very deep and gravelly. Um, but I was just, you know, okay, this is a totally different take on on a property that, you know, when I think of Pinocchio, I think of the Disney movie. Yes. And, and so this was kind of out of left field. So now that you've kind of maybe gazed at this, Josh, thoughts, Lies of P, and I have another question to follow up with after that, but thoughts on Lies of P, is this something you're you're interested in? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you're playing first person, can you lie so you see your nose grow in first person so it comes out into your field of view? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean... I know that Pinocchio's tail is darker. Um, so I guess, I mean, that's fine. It makes sense. As far as that goes, just you put souls in there, you lose me. And and that's, you know, that's just, I'm not a souls guy, you know? So mm-hmm. it just doesn't interest me in that regard. Uh, otherwise, I think it, the, it's a cinematic, so I can't really say the game looks good. The cinematic looks good. It's definitely you're right. It's super soulsy and borderline zombie at the beginning, or just corpse. Uh, it has this like Bioshock feel to it, which I think is nice. As far as like the the environments, it feels like a, a Bioshocky. Yeah. Uh, so I like that too. The aesthetic is really nice. So I mean, I'll check it out. But this would probably be something I just watch somebody play in a playthrough over getting it for myself. Yeah, so the, and I'm reading from the article over on Game Informer, uh, it says that, uh, quote, we've been toying with the idea of retelling Pinocchio's tale in our own way for some time. Lies of P is the culmination of our dreams and our nightmares. <laughs> it is definitely a version of the classic story that you've never seen before, said Jiwon Choi, development director for Lies of P. To us, Pinocchio has always been a grimly dark tale of the lies we tell to get by in a world that's not always black and white. We can't wait to show you more of the game in the coming months. So that in and of itself, I'm like, okay, interesting premise. But as you go on here, I think things get pretty interesting. 
In Souls-like fashion, you will take on terrifying opponents and explore a dark world inspired by the Belle Epoque era, showcasing a collapsed city that was once prosperous and vibrant. Here's something you may not expect. Because you're playing as Pinocchio, one of the core concepts in the game is to lie. Depending on the lies you tell over the course of the game, the ending will differ. While we don't know much about how combat mechanics are going to play out at this time, there is a weapon crafting system that allows players to combine weapons with one another to create new ones. There's also a skill system that tap into the fact that Pinocchio is a doll, allowing him to swap out parts of his body to gain new features and abilities. So, you know, Josh, if you would have told me two weeks ago that there's going to be a dark brooding Pinocchio game announced, I would have told you there, A, no, there's not. And B, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't want to play it. I'm not saying I'm excited for this game, but I'm interested in enough in the concept of what they're going for that I'm going to keep an eye on it. Yeah. Because I really would like to see uh, what they can come up with. Because I think this is an interesting take on a classic story. Uh, maybe they could do it well. I, I, I don't always get into the, oh, we'll take good thing and make it dark and that just makes it better. Like, I don't necessarily think that's true. Yeah. But I am interested to see where they're going with this. So my follow-up question to all of this, Josh, what other story hmm. that has traditionally been told in a way that is kid-friendly or light or fun would you like to see given a makeover into a Souls-like, dark, gritty game? What? Where should they go after Liza P? What's next, Josh? I mean, Beauty and the Beast is ripe for the picking, right? movie where a monster kidnaps a girl and you have to go rescue her uh, would be a great story to tell in that regard. And then maybe you have to make that moral decision to save or kill the beast at the end. Mm. Something along those lines. Um, I think that's that seems like... I mean, maybe is a tired like trope, but I think that the beast gets a, a pass in Disney for some reason, even though he still did kidnap her. <laughs> and kidnap her father. Uh, <laughs> well, he's, he he's not a good guy. <laughs> they were trespassing on his property. Yeah, yeah. He is the father got lost. Cut <laughs> <laughs> him some slack. Um, and I know like there's definitely the old siren tales of mermaids where you could do a good. If you want to make it as crazy as like the lives of P, you could try doing like a killer mermaid thing as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be okay. Okay, you know, with you know the focus of the siren song and really what mermaids were rumored to look like, they're definitely not red-haired and pretty at the bottom of the ocean. Their teeth fold and gnarly. (laughs) Yeah, no, I hear you there. I hear you there. No, that's good. That's a good one. What about you? You know, I was thinking a lot about this, and kind of almost any Disney movie that or any perspective on a story that disney has done if you you could almost just flip all of those on their head in some way shape or form yeah uh beauty and the beast i think would be interesting but i think it'd be more interesting if you played it from the beast perspective oh, yeah. rather than like gaston or the townsfolk or whoever um or her father are going to save her but if you played it like as the beast <laughs> it's like uh, a horde mode would... inside the castle and you're just yeah, killing kind of, yeah, people. <laughs> absolutely. yeah absolutely i think that'd be kind of neat um but realistically when i when i think of all of this uh i think aladdin yeah like if you just take Aladdin and take Agrabah and make it um, where Aladdin is, you know, and th- that is kind of the hard thing of you because of a lot of these stories, they become pretty cliche of like, oh, go save the princess type stuff. Um, but I think you could even take that story and spin it being where maybe you're playing as Jasmine trying to defeat Jafar like for rule of the kingdom. 
you know, and like so it wouldn't necessarily have to be that you're playing as Aladdin. Um, but I, I think that would be potentially because there are some dark themes in there that you could really, really take and hone in on and just make the whole experience that way. Yeah. Um, and I think with kind of having the sand and all of that, like, you could make some interesting environments um, and like the um, the palaces and all of that. I think you could make some really cool um, places to explore and, and a really nice environment there that would be uh gripping in a way that we don't see too often so that would be my pick i think where i want to go with it um other than i mean the other option then which i guess kind of is no, it's not really psychonauts but um if you did like inside out and you're fighting in your own mind so yes but anyway cool so that is my last story liza p check it out like i said that trailer there was a lot of comments on social media about it because people were like what is this um, but I'm interested. I don't know if it's going to be good. It, it's a smaller studio who's doing this. Um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt right now. They at least have me intrigued. Um, so I'm going to follow along. Awesome. So Josh, what is your last topic this week? Uh, well, my last topic is just us talking about what games we have or haven't been playing in the past, what, month, three weeks or so, however long it's been since we talked about games we've been playing. So I'm going to leave my homework. Uh, until it's homework time to talk about. Uh, but I will say, uh, st- well, you know, it's been a little bit since I've played Returnal. Uh, I have to uh, admit that it's kind of wearing on me a little bit. Um, and when I say that, I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm at the point where it's super easy for me to get to the second biome, right? Like it's, it's been a long time since I've got there. Um, and I know we've talked about the runs and how, how long or short they are, but I'm really finding starting returnal again, you start in the first biome. And if you don't spend a lot of time in the first biome, you're not properly like, equipped at least in my experience for the next level like you're you you're thrown right into the next area you don't have any um buffs you might have a you can get a, a good gun like relatively qu- quickly when you get in there but you're not necessarily running into mutations to help you right away and your health bar can be pretty low compared to the first time you get to the second biome so i feel i'm feeling like it's a long it's still it's taking a long time for a run every time I play. And I and I'm not getting successful, which is getting frustrating to me. To the point where I don't want to pick it up anymore. <laughs> Have you made it to the second boss? I made it to the second boss my first time getting oh, to the right, second boss, right. but then I and I've made it back twice and I've died both times again. Okay. So uh, and it's taken a long time to get back to that boss. The one time I did get back early and I was just not very well prepared. So when you're going back to the second boss, are you running completely through the second biome? No. The Well, the first time, the, the second time I got to the boss, I did. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I realized that you you just can't do that. Like you have to gear up, so to speak. You have to get the parasites on you. Interesting. Because, um, see, I actually have started playing where I'm basically picking up almost no parasites, and I'm actually doing way better. Yeah. Maybe I should try yeah, doing that. Yeah, because that's how – because I was kind of having the same issue where I got, like, complacent for a bit, where I actually was, like, dying sometimes in the first biome still because I just was, like, not focusing while I was playing. Yeah. 
Um, and then I kind of got to the point where I was like, no, I'm just going to do this thing. And I was, you know, beelining it straight for the, to the like teleporter to the second biome. And then I go through those, you know, four or five like rooms you have to do in the second biome, then taking the teleporter to the boss yeah, and just going through and doing that. And I think I basically was like, I want to make sure I get like a gun or two. And then you always get the, like the little health thing when you go to the second biome and you get to upgrade your weapons. Yeah. And like. That's pretty. That's how I beat the second boss just with that and like my gun that I picked up in the second biome. Oh, yeah. So it could be just a me problem. Um, I also I'm not mapping out the maps like you said. Like you know the specific rooms to go through and get to the portal. I don't know. I just go through the map and I try to get there eventually. Yeah, I mean the portal for the second biome is almost always in like the second. Like if you're still on it, it's basically usually in like the third or so room that you go into. Yeah. Um, and then from there, like the bi- the what the portal to the boss is always in the same place. Is it's the one that looks like the same entrance to the second biome, right? It like pops up with like a. Yep, it's on the left hand side. And it's yeah. like kind of where you're going to like the second half of the biome. Yeah. Like you can just take the portal right there. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm not done with it. I just had to take a break, um, and I had a pretty good break, you know. So um, I'll definitely go back to it for sure. Um, Snowrunner. Dropped on Game Pass, and I actually wanted to try it out because my son loves trucks and heavy equipment trucks and things like that. So I thought, you know, I was like, hey, I'll check it out with him and see if he likes it. And like <laughs> you start the game in a in a pickup truck that is just surrounded by impossibly muddy terrain and you have to use a winch to get yourself just down a road. Like, and he's, my son's going, use the winch, use the winch. I'm like, how do you even know that? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I played it for a little bit. It definitely seems interesting. I don't know necessarily if it's a game for me. It's definitely, um, more simulation. I mean, it's simulation game. Like it's from the same people who did Modern Runner. Um, and a lot of those other games that are similar simulation truck driving games. So I haven't gotten past the pickup truck yet. So hopefully I'll get to a bigger truck that he can get excited about. But I gave that a shot at least. Um, I watched my wife play Pokemon Snap for like four hours one night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's having a lot of fun with it. I think it's cool. It reminds me of Pokemon Snap uh, when it came out on the N64. And I think for Pokemon fans or even just like, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say camera enthusiasts because that's not right. Um, Collection enthusiasts, um, like the maps are built for replayability. You can't find the same Pokemon a day or night. Sometimes they're different based on the level you are and you have to get sometimes different items to throw at them to to call out Pokemon or make them do things. Um, so she seems to be having fun, which is really why I get it for her. So I'm glad she's having fun. Uh, I am playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'm playing Mass Effect 1. Uh, work has been crazy the past week, so I have only gotten to get a little bit of time in. Um, I will say we talked about it briefly last week, I think. It's just rough around the edges for Mass Effect 1, um, which doesn't bug me. You know, uh, I know that it, it definitely is wearing off its shine with other people who either haven't played it before or just aren't in that headspace to play Mass Effect in its current state, which I, you know, I 100% get. However, um, I'm going through all of it. I'm talking to everyone. I'm going through every um, 
um, chat tree and making sure I get all the lore and I'm uh, <laughs> I don't, I, spoilers for a 2007 game. <laughs> um, I'm trying. To, I don't know if I'm going to be able to duplicate my first experience with Mass Effect, but um, something that Mass Effect taught me was how video games can be so crazy different. Like these types of games, like Bioware games. Um, I won't say who it was because that might be a spoiler. The final boss, I was able to manipulate that boss to kill themselves instead of me having to fight them for the final boss battle. And I thought that was one of the coolest things that you could do in a video game. So I'm going to try to replicate that. I don't know if I'll be successful because I certainly won't make all the same choices as I did because I won't remember. Right. Um, but I'm walking around like um, the Citadel and I'm like, my wife was watching me play and I'm like, I know what this person's going to say. And I know what this side quest is. Like, I'm still remembering <laughs> it like it was yesterday. Uh, so it's a lot. That game is really sticking with me. Um, and I'm loving getting to play it in its enhanced form. And I'm actually really looking forward to see how improved Mass Effect 2 and 3 are because I can only imagine the combat's going to feel so much better once you get to part two. So Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Um, and then uh, the last thing I will mention before we get to homework is Gloomhaven. We had our Gloomhaven uh, vaxxed Gloomhaven night uh, a week or two ago. Two weeks ago? A week ago. Um, and it was great. It was great to get back into Gloomhaven. We did two scenarios. Uh, they were both challenging and uh, fun. And um, Joe, our... Uh, one of our party members started his new character because he had retired the last time we played, which is super fun and exciting. Um, it's always interesting to see how a new character plays. Um, yeah, it's just great. I had a lot of fun. And yeah, if I didn't say it, we won both scenarios. And <laughs> I remember having to get the chest. And it's they're not usually easy to get to um, on the map because um, it's a treasure chest. But when my secret perk uh, card was to loot one treasure tile. And, of course, I get to it and I open the chest. And when you open a chest in Gloomhaven, you always hope it's an item that isn't currently available in the marketplace. So you can add it to the marketplace. And I like it was like tile. It was like uh, treasure number one. Like it literally like was like in the top 10 of the starting <laughs> Gloomhaven Marketplace cards. So after all that work to try to get a treasure, I get a generic <laughs> boots. <laughs> boots of striding, I think is what they were. Like something you have access to at the start of the first game <laughs> of your first time playing Gloomhaven. <laughs> but, but Joe had a new character, so I get to give him boots. So didn't go to waste. That's good. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying... Uh, it's fun because I hit a, I hit a wall, uh, with Gloomhaven on the PC mm -hmm. where I can't really play solo anymore. I keep dying. I need, I need some support and I mm. don't want to just be sitting there playing three characters by myself. So I'm like, eh, I think I'm going to be done for a little <laughs> bit at least. Um, so it was nice to get back to physical Gloomhaven and I still do not like the setup or takedown, but someday when I win the lottery. I will have a dedicated table that will just have Rod Staven on it. <laughs> and I'll, 
and just cover it with the top if we ever need to use the table. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. It has to happen. Awesome. <laughs> Kyle, what have you been playing? So, Josh, I actually have not been playing too much, and I'll talk about that a little bit later when I talk about uh, my recommendations. But the things I have been playing, uh, on the tabletop, I actually have brushed off a couple of classics. The partner and I decided we wanted to play some board games, but we we're also in a situation where we haven't had a ton of time to sit down and learn rules for things, though we are planning a mega gaming marathon over Memorial or yeah, Memorial Weekend. Oh. Memorial Day and Labor Day. I always grew up. Memorial Day weekend coming up here soon. We're um, planning on our weekend just to play board games. Nice. So hopefully that after that, I will have a boatload of board games to talk about. Uh, but we just dusted off some classics so that we could kind of, you know, not have to worry about learning rules so much and all that good stuff. Um, so we played Seven Wonders. And, you know, Seven Wonders is a two-player game, Josh. That third player <laughs> mechanic that they do where they have, like, the dummy third player that you kind of have to draft cards for. Yeah. Um. You know, we never get in a situation where that player wins. Like, we've never gotten anywhere near that happening. Uh, but I, it, it is an interesting dynamic of trying to, whereas in you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this hand of cards and, like, I know I'm only going to see it, like, one more time potentially or, you know, maybe never depending on how many people are playing. Like, I have to take my one. Knowing you're going to see this hand of cards, like, f- four more times or three more times really makes you think differently about like what cards you're going to give and like trying to figure out okay what card might she want or need like and i really would like this card but i don't want her to have it yeah. so do i give it to the other or do i assume she's not going to take it but she could give it to that you know and like trying to play that mind game while you're doing it mm-hmm. it was actually a lot of fun it, it definitely isn't as good as just seven wonders duel is I mean, you know like that is still definitely the better way to play for two players yeah uh but having that third player mechanic in there kind of going through that um trying to figure out like okay is there a way that i can farm some coins off this player by making them buy resources from me like what what can i do there is fun so it's still a good way to play the game so if you only have two people in your home and you're wondering if seven wonders is for you it definitely they consider it a quote-unquote expert variant to play it with two players uh but i think it is still a really fun game that way um it definitely is better with more but still definitely something you can do so we played that and then we played take it to ride um just something again that we could get out and play and, and set up easily take down easily um because like you, you know, we don't, though we do have a place where we could leave something set up if we needed to, um, we just don't want to have to do that all the time. And sometimes we do. There are certain games, especially when we're in the middle of playing a legacy game or something, we'll just leave it set up on our downstairs table. Um, but, you know, we prefer to kind of have things tidy if we can. So we like to be able to pick things up. So, you know, like I said, just a couple classic games that we didn't really have to think much about rules and kind of could easily get back into that weren't too long. Um, so that's kind of on the table what we've been playing. From a video game perspective, um, I haven't been playing too much. Uh, Returnal still is kind of the my go-to when I when I jump onto my console. Uh, I'm in Biome Three. Uh, that's all the further I've gotten there. Uh, really enjoying it still. I I do think that especially when you get to the third biome, I actually took, did a run where I just went and explored after I'd gotten unlocked the third one. I just went and explored the first biome a whole bunch. I was like, I'm just going to go see what this is like. Uh, And it's actually kind of fun because you can get to places you couldn't get before. So you can get some new lore pieces and you can get some new unlocks and things like that. So that was kind of fun. And I'm glad that I did that. I definitely wouldn't want to do that all the time because you are right. If you go that route, it does take a long time to then get back to kind of to that third biome. Well, the nice part is though, is that once you unlock the third biome, there's a shortcut in the first biome to go directly to the third. Mm. That's so good. you don't have to go to one to two to three, um, 
which is nice. So that's that's kind of a uh, nice little shortcut down there, and it, it so the runs don't you know still kind of stay in the same length um, if you want to go that direction. Um, still playing Mass Effect, kind of working my way through that. Still enjoying it. Kind of I had talked about some of my. I don't want to say issues with the game because I, I don't think it's bad. Like, I don't think they're a problem. It just is a clear, like, whoo, games have come a, a, a little few, a few way, a few steps forward since yeah. 2007, which is good. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to getting that done so I can play Mass Effect 2. <laughs> um, and then I've been playing a lot of Overwatch, actually, because uh, they do have their um, – birthday event going on or their anniversary i guess i should say event going on currently um and there was actually a pvp live stream for overwatch 2 this last week with lots of juicy information talked about but i didn't think that all the listeners wanted to hear me talk about overwatch (laughs) 2 for like 40 minutes so i did not count that as a topic this week but uh making some changes making some big changes um i personally am in favor of the changes but i know they're pretty controversial among the community um especially the top level of the community um, but as far as skill level goes, top level. Um, but overall, I think it's going to hopefully be a good direction for of going to a 5v5 game instead of a 6v6 mm-hmm. game um, and going down to one tank. So we'll see. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how that plays out. But that is mostly what I have been playing. So nothing super new, um, but there are a couple new. Well, I guess actually two things within the last month released, but a couple games coming out here, Josh, super soon that mm-hmm. I'm really excited to play. And we'll talk about those more potentially in a minute. Uh, but with that, Josh, we're going to transition over to our homework, and we did all of this what we've been playing at the end, because Josh, two weeks ago, <laughs> I saw, I'm seeing what you're typing right now, and I, I was like, dang it, I know what this is going to be. <laughs> uh, two weeks ago, Josh, um, I, assigned, I gave you the homework assignment of beating Resident Evil 8, and the big concern was, you know, how close are you to the end <laughs> yeah. with Mass Effect coming out, and we had talked a little bit about how much you played, and I was pretty confident that you were going to be able to do it. Yes. So tell me, Josh. Your, your experience of playing Resident Evil 8, have you completed it? What are your thoughts? I beat Resident Evil 8. I beat Woo! it not too long A after plus. we recorded the, the, the homework assignment. Uh, yeah, um, I beat it in uh, 10 and a half hours, and I had a lot of fun with it. The, the, the second, well, the last area is a little, as you would say, long in the tooth to borrow one of your phrases. Um, in fact, I would say it get it got to the point to be a little frustrating because something I hate in games is when you have to backtrack. And this was a big backtrack if you didn't necessarily know where you were going and it was very easy to get lost. Uh, but I've, I managed. I managed. Um, something Resident Evil 8 does really well is, well, one, it makes someone like me who hasn't played a Resident Evil in a long time feel comfortable in playing the game. And uh, it feels it doesn't feel like Resident Evil while being a Resident Evil game. There's still Resident Evil puzzles. There's still some Resident Evil jump scares, but I would say not as many as I recall from past games. But it's a heavy focus on combat, with the exception of one boss area which i think i mentioned before it's kind of like a pt level instead um which you could probably see a lot of people have been uh sharing videos of that specific level um which is pretty funny and yeah each boss level each boss and each boss area feels different and until that last main boss everything feels well um 
crafted. But that last one just, it takes forever. It's much longer. The first and the last bosses out of the four, those are the longest times you're going to be spent um, in that once like area of the game. The two middle ones are relatively quick compared to them. But I think what the problem is with the last one is once you spent, when you spent the whole first level, first boss in that castle, you're not really like pacing how long it's taking. You're just kind of experiencing the game. So when you get to the next boss area or the, the next level, so to speak, and it's short, and then the next one is short, that's kind of now where your pacing expectation is to then go to the next area, which is three times as long as the one you were just in, uh, got a little frustrating. But um, it's typical Resident Evil. It gets a little wacky at the end and a little over the top and it leaves you a little stinger at the end. So um, overall, I was really happy with it and I was glad I played it. I don't know if I'm going to go back and give Seven another shot just so I can get more familiar with the character I just played as. Um, I don't know that I need to. So we'll really see what the game release uh, lineup looks like for the rest of the year. But highly recommended. Uh, maybe not at 60 bucks, but if you can grab it for 40 in the next few months, I think it's a great, great grab at 40 bucks. So what are the chances that this game ends up on like your top 10 favorite games of the year? Uh, top 10, I could see it on there, yeah. It'll be lower. Top five? No, not well. You know, it's too early. I don't even know if I have a top five right now. <laughs> so right now, gotcha. I think it has to be on my top five, but I don't anticipate it staying there. Gotcha. If things that are we have heard about or assume might come right. out this year come out, I just yeah. feel like there's yeah, there's a, a big mound of games that mm-hmm. might might come out this year. Yeah. No. Absolutely. All right. So you get an A plus. You beat Resident Evil Eight Thank as you. as a sign. So nice job. Nice job there. All right, Josh. So Josh, you threw me a curveball. And Actually, a community, community kind of really did through, it. <laughs> yeah, through a curveball uh, that you, I had to watch the first three episodes of Lost. Yes. Because um, I've never seen Lost and people are dismayed that I've never <laughs> seen it. So with that being said, Josh, I've watched the first five episodes of Lost. Hey. Um, a plus plus. Thanks. Uh, let me tell you. Right, you get an S. S. Yeah. S. <laughs> S ranking. S ranking. Um, I don't know what I think of this show yet. <laughs> Parts of it I like. Yes. Parts of it, meh, don't necessarily know if I like as much. I, I think there are some interesting concepts at play here. I, I think almost knowing not nothing but almost nothing about the show is both helpful and hurtful because the things that i know make me assume maybe what's happening in ways that i shouldn't and i think probably the experience of watching this from the beginning like when it was released or if you know absolutely nothing might impact someone's view of this differently than like my experience with the show has been so far uh but overall i'm enjoying it enough. i'm gonna keep going i'm gonna keep watching it until i, I maybe get to a point that I, I i feel like i don't want to anymore uh, but I understand the appeal. I understand why folks are interested in it. I think the mysteries and how they present them are interesting so far. Uh, I, you know, definitely a lot of hmm, I wonder why is going on. So lots of questions, very few answers, which is you know how these shows start, and that's totally fine. And that's why it makes wrapping them up so darn hard because there's so many questions that get asked. 
um, as far as it goes. But yeah, so you know, I I am enjoying my time with it so far. Um, I will continue to watch it. Um, but yeah, that that's what I have to say. Do you have questions for me? Anything uh, I can clarify or answer for you about my experience with Lost? Well, I really I'm excited that you watched five. I I don't want you to feel any pressure to keep watching it if you don't want to. And I know you you won't keep watching just because people want <laughs> you to watch it. Um, <laughs> I really hope you get to at least Nikki and Paolo. I don't. That, I think that's a big ask, and I'm not going to say. People who know Lost know what I'm talking about. Um, I would say, so you're five episodes in. Yep. Uh, what's your favorite part so far? It can be a person. It can be something that happened. It can be anything, really. Direction. I don't want to ask specific questions because I'm not sure what has happened for you yet. <laughs> right. Um. So I'm someone who doesn't try to figure things out too much while i'm watching shows like i'm not someone who usually tries to like guess what's going on so i will say um the twist with Locke was surprising i didn't see that coming um so that especially i think if you didn't know anything about the show going into it you'd be like wait what yeah you know so i think that was pretty well done um i do think the well, I, I guess overall, the twists in each of the shows for the most part so far, because uh, the last episode that I watched was the one where Jack has visions of his father. Yeah. So that was like the last episode I watched and just kind of how that like lines up at kind of towards the end, like the revelation he makes with, regarding that and like why he was in Australia and all that stuff. Like I thought was interesting. And 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 I, I do like how one of the things I hate about shows like this in general um is when there's a ton of characters like this, I'm really, really bad at remembering character names. I'm horrible at it. The only character's name, really, I'm like, the reason I can remember Jax because I was reading off of the thing. Um, but, like, I remember Vincent the dog. Yeah. Well, Not good, surprising for, that I remember Vincent, The right? good thing about Lost is everyone yells everyone else's name, so it's it's impossible <laughs> to forget everyone's name. Right. But I, I just always really struggle when there's a lot of characters on someone because I really care about characters, but typically, unless the acting is absolutely exceptional, yeah, it's very hard for me to care about a character really quickly, right? And I, that's the hard with an ensemble cast like this is there's no one I really care about yet. Yeah. How, how do you feel about Shannon? Episodes. What's that? How do you feel about Shannon? I, like you're going to have to tell me who Shannon is. Boone's sister. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, I feel like she's kind of stereotypical, yeah. but I assume that's on purpose as a swerve. I assume that's <laughs> going to change. Um, uh, I'm but... so excited. I think I think I'm gonna start rewatching last. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of I I genuinely thought that I'm like I feel like they're doing this to set us up to swerve. But yes, I'm not saying because... yes to your guess. I'm just saying yes. That's you're having good thoughts. I like it. You're getting me excited. I'm glad that you. <laughs> I just I want to live last again, like you're living it. Gotcha. But okay. I can't do that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. I need a time machine or or Men in Black brain right. white. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there we are. I'm five episodes into Lost. Like I said, I will keep watching it. I'll probably give periodic updates. Uh, feel free to ask whenever you'd like, Josh, about where I'm at with it because I do plan to keep watching it. Um, but it's time for us to give assignments to each other again for two weeks from now. And Josh, you've already written yours down. Um, you've already added to the doc. So why don't you go ahead and assign me my homework for two <laughs> weeks from now? Well, uh. This little game comes out the day that you're listening to this, if you listen yeah, to it on, yep. on our release day. Uh, that game is Biomutant. Biomutant is a game I have been excited for since 
it was announced and that was uh, four years ago at E3. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So um, I've been looking forward to it. I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I was not even aware of how many people were in this studio. And I really didn't expect it to be the game it is now. So right. I am excited and nervous because yeah. of that Breath of the Wild energy it has that I, I might not like this game. But... Um, has a lot going for it that I think I will like. So I would like you to play Biomutant so we can talk about it together. Okay. So I just, no number of hours, nothing like that. I just need to play No, because, I mean, it might not be. Honestly, this game has heavy Breath of the Wild vibes, and we yeah. both know how we feel about Breath of the Wild. So if I no, they did boot up Biomutant and my sword breaks right away, I'm done. <laughs> no, they said that there is no uh, I, weapon breakage. That was a joke. <laughs> oh, okay, I was like, they've said there's no weapon breakage. Yeah, no, I'm kidding, um, I'm kidding. That was just one of our critiques of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I hope that, yeah, just play it. I don't, you, I'm not going to dictate how long you have to play it. Just uh, boot it up and give it a shot. Gotcha. Um, I will say, you know, the game always looked interesting to me, but like you, I didn't know what it was. So I didn't know whether or not to be excited by it. I was interested in it, like I am, like Lies of P. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm intrigued, but I didn't really even like a couple months ago. I'm like, I still don't know what this game is. And then last week they released a video that was like handholdy. Here's what you're going to do in this game. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I get it. This seems cool. Uh, so that's what it took for me. So I'm also looking forward to playing it. Um, so I will definitely be jumping into Biomutant. Liza P, you you play a medical assistant in the urology lab, and you're trying to figure out what people have. (laughs) And then you're lying about it. Um, Okay, Josh, uh, you have a choice between a board game assignment and a video game assignment. But let me clarify that the board game assignment is going to be probably a bit different than what you'd anticipate it being. It's not going to be about playing a board game. I just want to be very clear about that. Okay. So board game or video game, your choice. Well, let's. I gave you a video game, so let's do board game. Okay, Josh. Do you remember? Oh gosh, it was a while ago uh, that uh, Button Shy Games had done an 18 card challenge for designing a game. Yes. Well, they have another design challenge up, Josh. Yeah. An 18 card challenge to design a role playing game. Yeah. So that's what you get to do, Josh. <laughs> God, okay. Is come back with a, <laughs> with a rough idea. You don't have to go full, fully flesh this out, but if you were going to design a role-playing game in 18 oh boy. cards, okay, what would you do? And I will, and I'm going to put the little link in here for you, so that you have it, so you can like kind of read the rules and the guidelines of all that good stuff. So that's there for you. But you're going to have to come back to us with your your idea about what your role-playing game is going to be. Sound good? <laughs> it sounds like something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. All right, that's what you need to do, Josh. So we'll we'll see your your thoughts in two weeks. But with that, we're going to move on to wrapping up the show, which is of course giving you our recommendations, dear listener, for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you what other thing we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced life. So, Josh, what is your recommendation? Sorry, I'm getting distracted by my homework assignment. I'm so <laughs> overwhelmed. <laughs> um. Okay, so. I almost recommended the movie that I watched that we talked about earlier over the weekend, but maybe I'll see that. I'm going to recommend a podcast I heard about through, I don't know, someone was guesting on another podcast I listened to. 
and was talking about it. The podcast is called Smartless, and it is another, I will say, benefit of the quarantine where there's a lot of actors sitting around bored. Um, and this is Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes. So Jason Bateman from Arrested Development, Sean Hayes from Will and Grace, and Will Arnett from Arrested Development and other things. Uh, they're apparently all really good friends in real life, and they decided to do a podcast together. And um, it's called Smartless. It comes across in, like, I think, like, the third or fourth episode where they actually get the title based on them becoming... They're like, why are we even doing this? And, like, he's like, well, we get less... Well, not less smart, but something along those lines of, like, to the degree of they're learning something. Um and it came across in a weird, haphazard way where Smartless doesn't necessarily even depict the reasoning why they named it that. But uh, what the premise is, is one of them will bring on a guest and not tell the other two. So it's always a surprise um, guest to who they have on. Um, I've had, there was one that they all knew, and that was uh, Kamala Harris. They kind of knew, they didn't want to just surprised two other people not knowing she was coming on so they could actually ask her good questions but uh what i like about it is they have friends on from the industry for the most part and you kind of hear what four actors would talk about to each other it's not like the conan or tonight show interview stuff in fact they even talk about how much they hate doing those a lot but there's been uh, everyone from the one I just listened to is Billie Eilish and Phineas on. Um, there's been Jennifer Aniston, Robert Downey Jr., which was a total surprise to me. Um, um, uh, Dak Shepard was the first guest they had. So there's a lot of stuff. They talk about the business if you're interested in that. Um, and I just think it's very, for me, a pop culture movie TV guy. I love I love it. It's so fascinating to me, and it's funny. And they they really go after each other, and they get really good jabs in, and it's pretty funny as well. So uh, easy recommendation for me if you like pop culture, television, movies, uh, acting, whatever. Smartless on whatever podcast service you use. I will say that that comes up. Often, uh, when I'm looking at my podcast and I, or my looking at my podcast app, and I'm like searching out a new podcast, that is oh. one of the ones that is almost always like pops up of like you should listen to this. So maybe I will give it a whirl. So Josh, you sent me back to watch Lost. Told me that you know I probably should work on. There's a lot of really fun new things that are being released, but there's a lot of old shows that I have blind spots on that I've just never watched. And while Lost was really great for, like, that drama part, you know, and really kind of thinking about that, I was like, you know, what's a good comedy that people seem to enjoy that I've never watched in my entire life? Oh, you haven't watched this? So I've I've never seen The Office. So I sat down and said, okay, I'm going to give this a try because on Peacock, you can watch the first two seasons for free, right? So probably last Friday, so not just a couple days ago from a recording, but that's a little over a week ago from when we are recording this, I sat down. And watch the first couple episodes of The Office. Josh, would you care to know where I am on, in the show right now? Well, I am. I am interested because for me, I hated the first season of The Office when I mm -hmm. watched it, and I and then I was told the craziest thing that has ever come out of anyone's mouth: give it a season. 
And I was like, well, what? <laughs> the rule is three episodes. <laughs> but I yeah. did. I listened to them, and I did give it a season, and I really turned around on season two. So based on what you're asking me, I'm. but you said you. – I don't think you subscribed to Peacock, right? You said the first two seasons are free. So yeah, the first either two seasons you're are free. through two seasons or you subscribe to Peacock, and you're like season four. <laughs> uh, you're, oh, the first thing to know, listener, if you've never watched The Office, the first season's like six episodes. So it's not a huge commitment as and far as rough. like... <laughs> it's not great. It's not bad, but they do some things definitely in season two that improve the show yeah. drastically. Um, I am currently on season three, episode 23. Wow, look, I was so close with the season four, guess. In a, a week and two days, Josh. Nice. So that's why I haven't done anything else because all I've been doing <laughs> is watching The Office. Josh, this show is amazing. It's it so is good. so good. Yeah. It is so good. You're right. The first season, it's a little rough, but you can see where they're going. And I think just the – I think the thing I appreciated about it was, A, I love documentaries. And I knew how the show was shot. And I knew of, obviously, the UK version of the show. So I knew all of that. But – how much a that they're able to do with just looks uh, of not being told things is exceptionally well done. Number two, I like the fact that like the actors could break, like they could laugh sometimes, maybe when they're probably not supposed to, and it's okay because it's a documentary, yeah. right? Uh, and which is I think nice to see, but also like I've always been someone who I've seen Steve Carell and stuff, and I've seen him in in shows and movies like here and there. Uh, I really enjoyed his dramatic roles. Like, I really enjoyed, liked him in, like, The Big Short and stuff and Foxcatcher. But I haven't really watched – I mean, yeah, he had his comedy movies, but I, I've always kind of been – like, I like the 40-year-old version, but I'm not like, oh, my God, you know. His ability to make me feel uncomfortable while I'm watching a television yeah. show, Josh, is ridiculous. <laughs> it, it That is, like – next level cringe i can't believe it and usually that would turn me off but there's like i don't know how he can do it he may he makes me feel <laughs> so uncomfortable that i love it because you know that's how you laugh at things is you have to create tension yeah and then you have to break the tension and he creates so much tension that like i want to laugh at like i am primed to laugh at something to get rid of the tension that i'm feeling it's because he he has this way of playing a sincere character like if you didn't on some level like him you wouldn't care if he was that cringy because he would just be another bad boss he's like human and he's sweet but he's also a buffoon who says every wrong word possible at all moments and that's what they do in season two that's different than season one. Yeah. Because in season one, he's just a jerk. Yeah, he's just a dink, yeah. <laughs> he's, you're, like, you don't care. you're like, ah, this guy is horrible. But in season two, they make him like that the like the lovable goof who has a lot to learn about things, like and you recognize it. He's he's trying. Yeah, he's like a four year old child who is in charge like, of yeah, an office. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So and I think it's really like that was a really smart decision. Um, and, and I think, yeah, once you hit season two, it just takes off. And, like, the the dynamic, and it's kind of, like, weird in season one, but, like, the dynamic between, like, Jim and Pam is, like, amazing. Yes, they're they're incredible chemistry it, together. Oh, yeah, it, it really is impressive. So if you're like me and you've never seen The Office, I highly recommend it. Obviously, I'm only, like, almost done with season three, and I know people have some said, people have said that, like, the end, it doesn't end super strong. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I don't want to say anything. Yeah, but... 
<laughs> so far, I'm really enjoying the ride, and that's literally why I haven't like played or watched a, additional episodes of like Lost because I've been so into the office. Just think uh, of this: yeah. while watching seasons one and two, know that in real life, Pam was currently married to James Gunn. I know, isn't that weird? <laughs> and not not anymore, but it was not was anymore. Then. Yeah, because I think she was friends with Sean Gunn. Yeah, that must be how they. I think they were. I think her and Sean Gunn were friends, and that's how. And then because they're. James and Sean are brothers? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I know. Interesting, right? Uh, anyway. So, yeah, that's it. Like I said, I'm catching up on all the things. We're so trendy and, and up with the times, Josh, that Kyle's watching television shows from 2004 and 2005 <laughs> and talking about how amazing they are. Well, so. they just spent like $170 million to get the rights back. So, I'm sure they're glad you're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. So, it is interesting, though, because the reason that Smartless keeps coming up is I started listening to the Office Ladies podcast. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Where they literally go back episode by episode and talk about the stuff on the and it's really interesting, like things that you wouldn't even know about how like shows are made and like the inside stories about like, oh, here's how we did this. It's fascinating. Yes. Absolutely fascinating. So yeah. Anyway, that's the office. It's on Peacock. I got a Peacock subscription to keep watching it. Nice. So there you go. <laughs> All right, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Good idea. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please feel free to use that hashtag as well so we can see what you're up to. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, yeah, I'm on gaming stuff. Why so serious? S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.